Isaiah chapter 30, 18 through 21. <laughs> the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. O people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes, you will see them. And whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. So, you get a bonus scripture for today. So, Good morning. It is great to have you here today. And I know that I always say this, but uh, it's just good to have the family together and, and to come together. I know that we all have lots of different things going on in, during the week. And it's always just good to come together, to take a breather, to just come and to be. And, and I always just kind of say, you know, welcome to our living room here. We're glad that you're here. And uh, as Mark said, I, I do believe that God has something that he wants to speak to us today. And, and I pray that we would not miss uh, anything that he has uh, for us. So, uh, sometimes I like to start out the message with a little joke, and I don't have a joke for you today, but once in a while, um, I, and, and Wendy, don't put this up yet, don't steal my thunder, um, I, I, I run across a picture that's, that's rather funny, and I have some people in my life that, that think it's rather uh, hilarious to send me pictures. They think I'm in a bad mood and they need to cheer me up or something, I don't know. Or maybe they're slacking off at work and they're just sending me forwards all day. But um, I got one of those pictures uh, this week, and I thought, kind of in the spirit, today we're talking about making good decisions, talking about making the right decision. And so I thought, thought we'd start out by taking a look at a really bad decision. And so I came across this picture uh, this week. So how's your day going, it says. Um, so the next time you're having a bad day, just think about the guy in the convertible, okay? So you don't have it bad at all. Anyway. Okay, you should probably take that away, Wendy. They're going to be distracted by that. Anyway, uh, so today we're continuing on with a sermon series called Since You Asked, which is exactly what it sounds like. We are tackling questions uh, these weeks that we hear getting asked a lot over and over again. These aren't just questions that we came up as pastors and we said, hey, I think we should talk about that. These are questions that we hear over and over and over again for a lot of years. And so it's not just things that we came up with. And so uh, today I want to take us into the question of not how do I make bad decisions like that guy, but how do I make the right decision? Or another way of saying that is how do I know what God's will is for my life? Uh, or how do I know if I'm in God's will? How do I know what God's will is for my life, for my job, for my marriage, for my family? Uh, those decisions, all the various little decisions that you and I face day by day. Because the reality is that you and I, no matter where we're at, no matter what season of life we're at, we are surrounded by decisions. And I kind of got in this habit of posting a question on my Facebook page each week, because um, that's where people seem to hang out. Uh, it's one of the largest churches in the country, Facebook. And uh, a lot of people are hanging out there talking about spiritual things. And so uh, I've kind of gotten the habit of, of uh, posting a question that has to do with what we're going to be talking about uh, this some com- upcoming week. And so I posted, you know, what is the biggest decision that you're facing right now? And, and some people posted things that were a little bit smaller, you know, or more funny, like, you know, ham or turkey for tonight or, um, you know, sausage or pepperoni or those sorts of things. Um, but some were very, very, very uh, life-changing sort of questions. And for a lot of those questions, as many of you know, there is not a black, it's not black and white. It's not, there's not a concrete right answer. There are a couple options and each of them you assume or you think fit within God's will. So then what do you do? Um, And so we got all sorts of questions that are kind of running through my mind as I was thinking about today. Um, everything should, should we move or not? Should we move to a different state, to a different city? Uh, should I marry Bob or should I marry Sally or Jimmy or Timmy? Uh, lots of those sorts of questions. Um, all the way to questions, um, should I get a Ford or a Honda? Um, somebody kind of put that one in there and, um, I have a Honda, but that's not why we're not going to cover that question today because, um, it's easy, uh, what you should choose. It should be a Honda because, we all know that the Bible says that the disciples were, of course, in one accord. So. Lame-o, lame-o. Okay, so anyway, 
I just had to sneak that one in there. I've been waiting to get that in a sermon, and I finally found a spot. Anyway, so we all face decisions every single day. And so what I heard in these responses and what I've heard as I, as I talk to you and have coffee with you and, and get to know you and, and, and as a community, um, I heard in all those responses a genuine desire to know God's will. Right? It's not like we're just flipping coins or we're casting lots like the disciples did one time. We're just saying, oh, whatever, right? I know that every single one of you has a genuine desire to be in God's will. And I think underneath that, there's, there's, this, um, there's this really core desire that all of us have to make an impact in our lives, right? Not just to have significance, but to really make an impact. And in order to have an impact... And to be a part of the good life that Paul was just singing about, right? We have to say, God, show me the right way to live. Show me the right things to do. And so I think that's what's underneath that. And, and we want to be in God's will, not just for the big decisions, like what should I believe in and, and who should I marry and you know, where should we live and those sorts of things. But I also think what I hear is that we want to be in God's will in the day-to-day decisions, right? Like, um, you know, should I talk to my boss today or not? Is this the right time to bring up that topic with my spouse? You know, how do I discipline my children, right? So those kind of day-by-day decisions uh, too. And I'd say that the same is true for, for each of us today. We live in a world, though, with more information than ever, right? We live in a world that is more connected than ever, right? Not just Facebook and Twitter, but people are connected, right? We have more information and know more about each other than we could ever know, yet why... Yet why are we still faced with the same decisions and why does it seem like people are just as confused as ever, right? There are so many people asking, I just need direction in my life, right? We tell that joke about the genie in the bottle, right? Just tell me, I need answers. We're all searching for answers. Uh, We are just as confused and desperate to hear God's voice and to make good decisions than ever. And so before we, before we get into the, to the meat of that and, and answering that question, there's a couple assumptions that I'm going to be making about God's will. And so we kind of have to lay a foundation. And first of all, it's that I believe that God truly desires for us to know his will. Um, if, if I can be honest with you, one of, the, one of the reasons I wanted to tackle this topic today is because I, I do have a feeling that there are some of us today that have been looking for answers. There are some of us that have been praying about decisions for a long time, and for some reason, you're not getting any response, or you are getting a response, and it's just very unclear. Or maybe the response from God is, wait, <laughs> right? It's not a yes or no, it's wait, or it's, it's not now. And so, uh, for some reason, you're not getting a response, and either you assume God's not speaking, or maybe I'm not listening well enough, or maybe God is just silent about that right now. But I think the danger is if we stay there long enough, it's easy to start doubting. If we live with an unresponsive God long enough, it's easy for us in our humanness, in our flesh, to start doubting and to not trust God's heart. And I was kind of thinking about this. Have, have any of you ever been to a corn maze or seen a corn maze? Right? And, and you're just kind of walking through the corn, and for these little girls, like it's way over their head, right? And sometimes I think we feel like these little girls, and God's up there, and He sees the corn maze from like the, the helicopter view, right? And so life is just this big maze, and it's filled with decisions every single day. But for us, we're like these little girls that are down in the corn maze, and we get to like a T intersection, and it's like, uh, what should I do, right? And we're kind of confused, and we face decisions like that every day. And, and it, have you ever felt sometimes like finding God's will in your life is like God just kind of takes us and he just, when we're born, and he just kind of drops us into this corn maze, like right in the middle, like in the worst spot possible. And God goes, good luck, figure it out. You know, like I think that's the, the lie that we believe sometimes. And it's, it's funny, but how many of you have been there, right? God just seems really disconnected from the day-to-day decisions. And we're asking God, where are you in all that? But it's in those moments that I believe instead of letting our doubts and our frustrations get the best of us, we have to turn back to God's word, which we're going to do today, and trust in his promises rather than our assumptions about who God is. To let God come to us on his terms, not about who we think he is. So, uh, because I believe that the God that we see in scripture is not a corn maze 
kind of God. He's a God that wants to give us direction. So if you could turn with me to Psalm 32. Uh, Psalms is in, in the Old Testament. If you open right to the middle of your Bible, halfway you'll be in Psalms, and then you can kind of navigate from there. Psalm uh, 32, verse 8. And with some of the verses we're going to look up today, what I read might be slightly different from what you have. It's just because it kind of makes the point a little bit clearer. So, uh, Psalm 32, verse 8. If you got it, say, I'm there. All right. Verse 8. God says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Let me read that again. I will, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. If we could believe that, I think our lives would look dramatically different. If not only if we believed it, like intellectually, but if we acted on it. What would your life look like if you believed that God was really interested in the decisions that you make day to day? And what would it look like instead of just going with your gut or going with your feelings? What would it look like to truly take God up on his promise that he wants to speak to you? even about the most insignificant things in your life. And so here in Psalms, I think instead of seeing sort of a hide-and-seek God, remember playing hide-and-seek as a kid, and you'd run away, and then the goal was to, to be found, but it was kind of the joy was, was that. I don't think God is a hide-and-seek kind of God. God wants to be found by us. And so a couple more verses, and I think this one I'm going to throw up on the screen, and this one maybe you know a little bit better, but let's read this. Uh, together from uh, Matthew. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. The door will be opened. And uh, the, the uh, New Living Translation, which I believe you have in, in the rows, what I love about that one is it says, keep on asking and you will receive. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking. And I I love that, that version of it as well, because I think what that highlights is that there's a persistence there. God says, when you come to me, and when you seek me, don't just do it once. And if you don't hear, then get frustrated and throw your hands up and take your ball and go home, right? I love the translation. Keep on seeking. And God promises, you will be found by me. There's a persistence there. Almost as if God is saying, the process, even if it's frustrating, the process, the journey that you're going to go through on the way to the answer that God might give you is just as important, if not more important, than the answer that I'm going to give. So don't give up. Okay, so if we're going to go with God on his promises that he's making to us here, the next question that I think a lot of us are asking is, how do I hear God's voice, right? How do I know if it's him? And and all throughout scripture, we hear God talking to people and people talking back to God. And maybe some of you have friends that are Christians that, that, that speak like this, and they're always saying things like, you know, God told me this, or I, I really hear God saying this. Or God was speaking to me and he said this, right? Do you ever just get frustrated with those people? Like, who's talking to you? Which God are you following? I don't hear God talking to me, right? It's hard. For a majority of us, it's hard. We don't hear God's voice or we can't honestly say, I heard God speaking to me and he said to go take over Starbucks, right? You know, like people say some pretty crazy things in the name of of God, but that doesn't mean that it's not true. God might be speaking to them, but um, I think for a lot of us, um, that's a foreign concept to actually feel like we hear God talking to us and, and leading us. And, and for a lot of us, I think we struggle with like, was it me? Was was it my voice? Was it God's voice? Or, or uh, as Pastor Richard likes to say, or was it just uh, you know yesterday's leftover pizza? I, I don't know what what I'm thinking about. Like I got all these thoughts swirling in my head: is it God or is it me? And so not only the question is, uh, how do I hear God's voice, but how do I know when it's him 
or just me. So there's so much to say here, but, but what I want to do is point us to three main ideas. Three main ideas. And this isn't going to be like the, 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 the solve all, the fix all your problems and give you all the answers. If you're looking for that today, that's not what we're going to get to. But I believe if we stick to these core three fundamental ideas, I think God's going to get us, I believe that God's going to get us uh, where he wants us to go. So the first thing is, uh, grab your Bible and just hold it up like this. Awesome. That is cool. If you need a Bible, take that Bible you're holding up and take it home today. Because we're going to talk about that. You can put it down. So, first, the most important thing, the most important thing in hearing the voice of God, and go with me here. Don't, don't write this off because, oh, I've heard this before and it doesn't work. The number one most important thing in hearing the voice of God is read the Bible. Read the Bible. And I know a lot of us, like, we say that all the time, but when's the last time you read your Bible? Right? We just assume that, yes, I've been reading my Bible. And somebody asks you, I've been reading John. Yes, and I've been learning about God's sovereignty in my life. No, you haven't. You haven't read your Bible in two weeks. Just be honest about it, right? Sometimes we just need to be honest, right? Read your Bible, right? We just take it for granted that, oh, yeah, I should do that. But life's just been really busy lately, right? Read your Bible. And the reason I say read your Bible is those are God's words. If you look at the front of a Bible, I don't, I don't think it's on the NLT that you have. If you look at the front of a Bible... Um, it says, sometimes it says Holy Bible, and sometimes it says God's Word. But we have to remember that this isn't like some, like the, 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 the Jesus people and like the Zondervan publisher, book publisher people got together and they're like, let's come up with a really fancy, creative marketing title for this book that God wrote. And we're going to call it God's Word. And then it'll become the number one bestseller of all time, right? This isn't a marketing scheme. The reason that the Bible is the number one bestseller of all time is because it's God's word. And so if we want to hear God's voice, we should probably be listening to and reading and meditating on and studying God's word. And this isn't about just a quality, a quantity of reading the Bible. We talked about that when we talked about spiritual disciplines. This isn't an earn your way into heaven sort of thing. The more I read my Bible, the better Christian I'll be. But I will say this. Those who read their Bible the most hear God the best. Those who read their Bible the most hear God the best. And hear me very clearly. This is not about a quantity of spending time in God's word. It is a quality of spending time in God's word. Because I could read the entire Bible, well, maybe take me a couple days, but I could read the entire Bible and it would never get here. It would all stay up here. And if I want to hear God's voice, I want to be in relationship with him. And one of the ways that we do that is through his word. If you're not listening to somebody speak a lot, you're probably not going to recognize their voice, right? Think about it this way. It's kind of like, have you ever had this happen? You ever get one of those calls, right? You're doing something and you get a call and you don't really look at the caller ID and maybe you don't know who it is anyway. And, and it goes, you know, ring, ring. And you pick up the phone and you hear, and somebody on the other line says, hey, man. And then you're like, hey, dude, bro, buddy, old pal, you know, what? women, I don't know what you'd say, hey, Chica, lady, you know, like you're trying to make up all these names. Like, and inside, you're, like, you're, your mind is just spinning like, whose voice is this? I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't want to be embarrassed. Who is this, right? And, and, and so you just try to make up something and, 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 and you're like, so, how, uh, how is work? And, and they're not giving you anything, right? They just assume you know it's them. So how was work? Oh, it was, it was okay. It was pretty good. How about you? fine. And this can go on for like five or 10 minutes at a time and people don't get it. Right. And inside we're just screaming, tell me who you are. Right. We don't know who you are. Give us a hint here. And, and so the reason is you don't know their voice, right? It would be very frustrating to have a half an hour conversation with someone and you don't know who it is because you don't recognize their voice. You didn't know it was them. But if that person were to call you every single day, after a while, 
if they just say, hey, what's up? Or, hey, bro, or hey, sister, right? <laughs> wow. I am very white. Um, I can't help it. Um, if you talk to them every day, you all have people like this in your life, right? They call you, and you know their voice. And even some people in your life, maybe you haven't talked to them in three or four months at a time, and they call you up, and you can pick up right where you left off, right? Why? Time, intentionality, relationship. So if you read the Bible, you start to recognize who God is, what his character is like, and thus what he would have you do. So it's not like if I read this much, then God's going to give me this much of an answer, right? Hearing God comes from time and relationship and intentionality. And so, so some of you are saying, okay, that's good. I, you know, I've been, I've been reading my Bible a lot, John. That's a great point. But I've got a really, really, really big decision coming up about whether I should take this new job or not. Or I have this person in my life and I'm trying to decide if I should marry them. Or I'm trying to decide um, if I should take this person on a date or I should pursue uh, dating. I've got a big decision coming up. And the Bible, uh, I've read the Bible from cover to cover. I've, I've done my homework there. Uh, but nowhere am I finding God saying, take the job at Wells Fargo, not principal, right? We don't get that in the Bible. We also don't hear Mary Sally. She's the one for you. Like we don't hear that in the Bible. And so, uh, God gives us some of these basic guidelines, but sometimes our questions are more specific. So number two, big point, if you're keeping score at home, uh, ask your trusted community. You have a decision to make, ask your trusted community. And so there's kind of three parts to this. Um, and, but most importantly, ask your trusted community. And by that, I mean people that are seeking God as well. And so I kind of see three categories here. Number one, and you may not want to hear this, but it's true. Ask your family, right? I know some of us are in different stages of life today. Uh, but depending on your relationship, ask your parents. Now, that's hard for me to say. I remember my rebellious teenage days. Ask your parents. They really are smart. No matter if you are a grown child, ask your parents. And so some of you might be saying, uh, my parents are dumb. Or my parents are weirdos, right? And they really don't have it all together. That's okay. I'm asking you to use discernment here. But for the most part, your parents are the people that know you best in life. Or maybe if, if your parents have passed away, maybe there was an older person in your life that, that was uh, an uncle or a grandpa or, or a mentor in your life that you looked up to. The point is, find people that have known you for a while. Find people that, knew, that know your story and can help you discern through the decisions as well. So, um, you know, dad, doesn't matter what age he is, 22 or 82. Dad, I've got a big decision coming up. Should I take this job or not? Um, honestly, like, tell me what you think. Don't come to him with your mind already made up. Genuinely ask. And so I found that, um, and this is really strange, but I found that when we're teenagers, our parents are just really dumb, and then suddenly, like when we hit 21, they magically get really, really smart. Have you guys ever experienced that? It's just amazing. I don't know. I don't know what the, the deal is with that. But anyway, so ask your parents. Uh, secondly, in your community, ask your friends. Ask your friends. But use discernment here too. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 6, you might want to write that down. This will come up over and over again in our lives. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Wounds from a sincere friend. So when a real friend tells you something that you don't want to hear and it makes you upset or it hurts you a little bit, if you trust them and they trust you, it's probably going to be a good wound because they know you, right? Because in the end, your enemies are out to destroy you, but a good friend you know that their heart is for you so you can trust them. So if you're in a relationship or if you're in a group or a small group or even within your family or your circle of friends and somebody calls you out on something, you're going to receive it a lot better if you have a relationship with them and if you trust them. Even if they say something really that kind of gets underneath you a little bit, that's a good wound. That's the kind of wound that's going to heal that you needed to have that as kind of a wake-up call 
uh, in the end. So some of you have lots of friends. I get that. Some of you have tons of friends. I'm not just talking about Facebook, like person-to-person friends, too. Um, But some of us, we have lots of friends, all the friends in the world, and you have all the community and all the social life in the world. But how many of us have friends that are willing to tell us the truth even when it hurts? How many of us have friends that are willing to tell us that's not the right path for you? Or I don't feel good about that decision. So if not, I encourage you, find those friends. Pursue those kind of friendships one at a time. Not all at one time. Find one good friend. Then find two good friends. And it'll, it'll help immensely. And if not, it, it takes time. Uh, but pursue that. And we all need those kind of friends. No matter what age we are. We don't just stop needing friends when we get out of high school or college. We need friends as adults. God sometimes chooses to get our attention by speaking through those people that he's placed in our lives. But at the same time, we have to be careful that it doesn't turn into like a polling station, right? Where you kind of, okay, I'm going to gather all my friends around and you kind of set up the little voting booth there. And okay, I need to know if I should marry Sally or marry Joe Bob. And so I have these two ladies in my life and I'm trying to decide which one to marry. So here's my little polling station. So I'm just going to kind of gather all my friends and, and, you know, Oprah and Dr. Phil and, and, you know, you know, Glamour magazine, you can give me an opinion too. So you kind of come in here and we'll just take a poll and then whatever is the highest rating, then that's the decision I'll make. God doesn't want us to make decisions like who, uh, who wants to be a millionaire, you know, ask the audience, 66% and 22%. I'll go with the 66%, right? Sometimes, yes. But sometimes our friends can be wrong. And sometimes it's not just about getting the most popular answer. God is kind of counterintuitive sometimes. It's not simply a Gallup poll, but let people, not everyone in your life, But let people, those whom you have given permission to, speak into your life. And even if you don't get the answer that you want, God still might be speaking to you. And you should take heed. And so finally, so ask your family, ask your friends, your trusted friends, and finally, ask leaders around you. Not because they're better, but because God has established leadership in our lives. Maybe a pastor or maybe it's a mentor in your life, that you see them uh, as a leader, somebody more experienced on the road of life than you are, uh, somebody more mature than you in in their faith. Uh, Proverbs talks a lot about this. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 18. That's another good one to write down. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 18 says, make plans by seeking advice. Again, Proverbs 15, 22. This is a good one. Plans fail for lack of counsel. Plans fail for lack of counsel. Doesn't mean you have to agree with everybody, but with many advisors, they succeed. Who's, who in your life is allowed to call you out? Or are you kind of just operating as a silo, kind of Simon and Garfunkel? I am a rock, I am an island, and I don't need anybody else. I'm older in life, and I'm mature, and so I don't need any mentors in my life. I don't need to ask anybody else, because I've experienced everything that life has to offer. Who in your life is allowed to call you out? Or are we too prideful to think that sometimes, sometimes we might be wrong and that sometimes our humanness is going to get the best of us? Or have you become an island? That's an important question to ask. So trust your family, trust your friends, trust leaders and mentors. And the final piece is, number three, is prayer. We need to be reading God's word. We need to ask our community and finally prayer. God does speak to his people. Um, Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. It's a pretty short book. It's in the New Testament, right after Galatians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians is right after it. So Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. Paul writes this, verse 17. I keep, he's writing to the church, in Ephesus, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, now listen to this part, this is key, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Wisdom and revelation, so that you may know him better. That's what we're asking, right? We want to know God better. Everybody's asking that. So how do we do that? Wisdom and revelation. And so by wisdom, 
It's meaning that which does not change, which is for us God's word, right? So we talked about that, but there's also revelation. God is still speaking, right? God wants to talk to us and that's revelation. And so it's really, really important for us is what Paul is saying is that uh, wisdom and gaining knowledge of God and gaining direction in our lives, it's a two-way street. Prayer is a two-way street, It's not about just kind of uploading these requests to God and you're up there somewhere. My prayers are floating in the clouds. Prayer is a two-way street. How much time in your prayer time every day do you spend just listening rather than telling God what he should do? It's about learning to listen. And so uh, the advice I give would be this. If you do an honest assessment of yourself today and you feel like "I'm, I'm a little bit younger on this journey of faith. I'm a little bit newer to faith. I haven't had so much experience. My advice to you would be to rely heavier on the wisdom, right? God's word, that doesn't change. Get to know God's word really, really well. But as we grow and as we grow in our ability to learn God's voice, then I think that we can start moving into some more of the revelation, right? I I would caution someone who came to me and said, I became a Christian three months ago. I've never read my Bible before, but now I just love it. And I've been praying all the time. And I feel that God is calling me to, um, to, to start a coffee shop right next to Starbucks. God's will for my life is to do this. I really feel like he's calling me to do this. A little bit heavier on the revelation there, not so much on the wisdom thing there, right? Maybe we need to ask our community. Maybe we need to read uh, the Bible a little bit more. So does that make sense? As we grow in our faith, I feel like as we grow in hearing God's voice, we can become more mature in that and be able to discern good from evil, good from bad. Think about this way. So uh, we have a doctor and um, I know that we have some medical students here, I know, but when, when a doctor is first starting out, they've got a lot to read. There is a lot of books to read. I mean, any you know, master's level profession, there is a lot to read. And so you've got to have the basics. You've got to have that foundation. But if I go in tomorrow and I have brain surgery um, and I'm going in and you know, they're rolling me in on the cart and I just mention uh, you know, to my surgeon, um, uh, what are your qualifications? You know, what, what experience... Uh, do you have? Because I, I just want to make sure, you know, that everything's going to go, you know, it's kind of my life. Um, just want to make sure you're going to make a good decision. Um, I hope that I don't hear, well, I got an A in school and I read all my textbooks. That's not going to sit so well with you, right? That's not what you want to hear. What you want to hear is, I've done this 2,500 times and nothing has ever gone wrong and I've been a doctor for 27 years. Oh. <sighs> right? That makes you feel a lot better, right? And I think it's the same thing with seeking uh, wisdom from, from God and our ability to discern that. The more we do it, the more we're attuned to God's voice. And the same thing with seeking mentors. I would probably rather go to somebody that's been on the spiritual journey a little bit longer than I have. So uh, the more time you spend not just talking, but listening to God, the better you get to know him. And so when we're listening, uh, are we, the question is, um, are we willing to hear what God has for us. My friend uh, Daniel always had a sign on his apartment wall, and I'll never forget it. It said, pursue God's will, not my will with God's name on it. Right? Pursue God's will, not my will with God's name stamped on top of it. Pursue God's agenda, not mine. It's, it's easy to do. The question is, do we really want to be obedient, or do we just ask God sometimes just to kind of appease our conscience. Like, oh yeah, I talked to God about it. We've been praying a lot. No, you haven't. (laughs) Just be honest. No, you haven't. But sometimes we do that just to kind of put our minds at ease. But the question is, is the posture of your heart when you're asking God for guidance in your life, is it one of surrender or is it one of selective hearing? That I only going to hear what I really want to hear because actually I already have my mind made up, right? So that's the question. So the important thing to remember as we look at God's word, at trusted community, and at friends, is that, and, and at prayer, is that God has given all of them to us in making a decision. I have some friends that, that when faced with a the decision, they only prayed alone. And they said, I have spent hours and hours and hours of prayer, and I believe I know what I should do. Maybe, but usually God uses lots of different areas in our lives to do that. 
they've never checked God's word. They never asked anyone else. I've also had some friends that have only asked their friends and they just kind of went with their feelings, but they never asked God and they ended up making a pretty bad decision as well. Okay, so what about feelings, right? A lot of you might be thinking, I, I, I feel it in my gut, right? I've got some feelings. Today I feel like making this decision. Are those important in knowing God's will? And I would say yes. We absolutely need to pay attention to our feelings, to our, our desires, to what we think is best. But the danger is what I think the culture around us says a lot of times is pay attention to your feelings first. If you have a decision to make, pay attention to your feelings first. Just, just do what you think is best, right? Not even what everybody else is, is, is thinking, sometimes that, but just do what you think is best. Now, I do think, although feelings do have a place in hearing God, let's look at Psalm 37, verse 4. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Uh, Psalm 37, verse 4. It says this. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Wow, that's a powerful statement. The desires of our heart, I would say, uh, represent or can communicate our feelings. Uh, those, those desires that are inside of us, maybe the things that get you excited, the things that you will lay awake at night thinking about, your passions in life that which burns inside of you, if I could do that, then I would be happy, right? We all have those feelings, and some of them run a little bit deeper than others. And those desires are things that we like, things that we're passionate about. But, but God says this, before you just go running down the first path that comes your way, that you think is best, learn to delight yourself in me. So if you've spent time in God's word, if you've prayed and if you're seeking God, if you're, if you're doing what you need to do to fall in love with God and to delight yourself in him, to just be with him, not do things for him, just be with him, as a result, God says, listen to this, I'm going to change your heart. I'm going to change your heart and I'm going to place in you the desires of my heart. And then we can listen to our heart, right? You ever hear somebody say that? Just listen to your heart. That can be dangerous if we haven't submitted our heart to God's will. So I would say listen to your heart when God has changed your heart and it's God's desires that you're following. And out of that delight, out of that idea of seeking God for just God, God, I'm not coming to you as like Mr. Vending Machine God and I'm gonna put in my prayers and you're gonna give me all the answers, right? God wants a relationship with us, but out of our intimacy with God, those wisdom and that insight becomes a byproduct of intimacy. Does that make sense? So this isn't a, a transaction. Sometimes we get into this dangerous thinking where like, God, I'll kind of scratch your back a little bit and send some prayers up to you and go to church for five weeks in a row. Did you see that? by the way, I've got a big decision to make. If you could help me out a little bit, I'll scratch your back. You know, you kind of scratch mine, right? God doesn't operate like that. He's not a vending machine. God wants a relationship with us. If we know anything about God, it's that he desires that relationship and that his words to us, when God does speak to you, when God, you feel like God's leading you to do something, that is not based on how good you've been, right? None of us will ever be good enough to earn hearing from God or because we've, we've earned his love in some way. And, and for a lot of you, I know, I know that it is so hard to hear. And I know that the things we're talking about today are not a quick fix. That you can't just go home and, and boom, that's the decision I need to make now. And I know that it doesn't solve your question for today. But it is how God likes to work. So what do you do when God seems silent? What do you do when God seems silent? I've been doing some pre-marriage counseling with a couple uh, the past few months, and they're getting married in just a little over a month now. 
And with many young couples that are either looking at marriage or in their first couple years of marriage, one of the biggest questions is always finding a job. That's one of the, like, okay, we'll get married, but then what? Like, I have no stable income. And a lot of you that are uh, up in years can remember that time in your life, right? You were freaking out, right? I'm getting married. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I don't know where we're going to live. And so this couple is struggling with that. And so last night I get a call from the groom-to-be, and he's usually a pretty held-together guy. He's pretty, usually pretty strong, as guys tend to try to be. And uh, I get a call from him, and he's, he's just about on the verge of tears. And he said, I am just so tired of waiting. Have you ever been there? I am just so tired of waiting. I am so tired of sending out resumes every single day. Like, I feel like that's my job is to send out resumes, right? And so him and his wife have applied for like over 25 jobs and they've only got an interview at one. And then he just got a call the other day that they weren't going to accept him, right? And that can be really, really hard. And he's just saying, I am so tired of this. And to her family that I'm marrying into and to my family, I feel like a failure. Because I'm supposed to be the man and I'm supposed to provide and I'm supposed to have this figured out. And here we are a month from marriage and I feel like a complete failure. What do you do when God seems silent? I believe that scripture tells us stay steady. Stay steady. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3 and 4. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck like a lanyard. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And then verse 4. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Because you were faithful. Because you were steady. Because even when things felt dry, even when things were uncertain, you still loved people. You didn't give up. You didn't just slack off and get lazy. You still loved people. You still served people because you understood in so many ways, we've already been given God's will for our lives. As we talked about last week from Deuteronomy, and Jesus says it again in the gospel of Mark, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength and love others. Love your neighbor as yourself. When we don't know what we should do, when we can't seem to get on track in our lives or or understand exactly what God is saying to us, stay steady. And what I love about uh, Psalm 37, we talked about that a little bit ago. Another translation of that, the Revised Standard Version, I love this, says, cultivate faithfulness. Cultivate is kind of a farming term. Um, I worked at a soybean plant for a while and everybody was like, we got to cultivate, we got to cultivate. What does it look like to cultivate your heart? That even when you're not getting answers to still cultivate faithfulness, prepare the soil of your heart so that when God wants to plant a seed or when God is going to give you direction or when God is going to give you a word, that your heart is not so hardened with anger and resentment from not hearing from God, that your heart is so hard and dry that you can't receive it. Because I've given up on trusting God, and so I'm going to harden my heart, and I have so much resentment toward God that the soil of my heart is not cultivated and tilled like a good garden. That maybe you've just decided, you know, God's holding out on me. God doesn't want me to have the desires of my heart. You haven't given me that spouse yet. You haven't provided that job that I want yet. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, Scripture says or you will give the enemy a foothold and he'll stick his foot in the door and in the middle of the night, he'll pry open that door and he'll start to plant all these lies and doubts into your heart that are not true. Stay steady. Cultivate a heart that is surrendered. I believe that one of the things that God wants to teach us in the dry times or when we don't have answers is trust. Trust that God still has a plan for your life. Philippians 1 Verse 6 says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? 
Do you believe that? If you've been waiting a long time for a breakthrough in your life, God wants you to know today that he has not given up on you. And he is so not through with you yet. God has plans for you and he wants you to get where you want to go more than you want to get where you want to go. (laughs) God is for you. God is on your side. And if God is on our side, then who can be against us? But more important than whether you decide to be a teacher or a doctor or a stay-at-home parent or a barista or whatever, or whether you live in Iowa or whether you live in Minnesota or whether you live in California, maybe it's more about how you work than where you work. And maybe it's more about how you live each day than where you live. Our callings in life always must be backed up with character and integrity. And that stuff, God can change in us anytime. How do you know if you're in the center of God's will? A good way to tell is, am I becoming more and more like his son? And it might sound strange, but I believe that I can stand up here today with absolute certainty and say to every single one of you, I know God's will for your life. And you might be thinking, who is this guy? (laughs) Right? What right do you have to say that? I know God's will for your life. For some of you, especially if you're a visitor today, you might be thinking, wow, what a prideful statement. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. I'll just read it to you here. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God has a purpose for your life. But look at verse 29. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them, your purpose, your mission in life, he chose them to become like his son. God's will for you, more important than anything else, more than anything else, is that you are becoming more and more like his son each day. Again, in 1 Thessalonians, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. It doesn't get any more clear than that. And so when things seem dry or silent, we always fall back to that. God is always more interested in who we are becoming than necessarily what you do, as long as it's within his boundaries but you could get the right job and be the wrong kind of person you could marry the right person but be the wrong kind of person yourself so this doesn't mean that we shouldn't be thoughtful and ask god what to do but the point is if we obsess over where to live and what business deal to make more than we think about having a pure heart that's when we go down the wrong road God is going to get you where you need to be, but it won't be because of your striving or because you're trying to push this boulder uphill and make it happen yourself, but because you let go of having to be right a long time ago and that you've just been hanging out with your father. You've just been hanging out and the words of direction, that's just a bonus. That's awesome. That's a bonus. And so finally, if it's true that God wants us to hear his voice, to receive wisdom and direction in our lives, then I know that I need it so much. I am, I am no different in this, and in so many ways I'm preaching this to myself today because <laughs> I need to hear this as well. I don't have all the answers, but I know that when God speaks, I want to be listening. And I want to close by telling you, uh, sharing with you uh, one of my favorite stories. Turn to First Kings chapter 19, and we'll end with this for today. 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings is in the Old Testament, way back at the beginning. Somebody's got a page for that. Just yell it out to help everybody out. What's that? 277. 1 Kings chapter 19, page 277. We're going to start in verse 9. So Elijah is a man of God. Elijah has been walking with God. And he finds himself in a cave all alone. God sent him to this cave. He's running from some of his enemies. And it says this. And the word of the Lord came to him. Right? You know, God gets out his voice again. What are you doing here, Elijah? In verse 10, he replies, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. I've been doing everything right. 
I've been telling, doing what you told me to do. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. In other words, I, uh, um, Elijah is saying, I feel like I've done everything that I can do. I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying every day. I'm asking trusted advisors, but I still don't know what to do. There are things that are really, really, really difficult for me in my life right now, and I don't sense a lot of direction. And so verse 11, the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. I'm going to pass by. My presence is going to pass by. So then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart. That's a powerful wind. And shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then after the earthquake came a fire. And try that at home today. But the Lord was not in the fire. But listen to this. After the fire came a gentle whisper. And this is the most important part right here. Verse 13. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. As it turns out, when God called Elijah and said, Hey, dude. Elijah knew who it was. Right? And it was not in the busyness and the noise of life, in the fires or in the earthquakes. It was not in the to-do lists and the agendas and the staying on top of things. It was a byproduct of relationship, and of time spent together. You don't earn it. You just receive it in his time and in his way. God is always communicating with us and is just waiting to offer wisdom to us. My prayer for you today is that no matter what decision you're facing, is that you would spend some time, a lot of time, at the mouth of the cave, listening and trusting. Amen? Let's stand.